0: Church, why don't you stand on up, put your hands together, you know sometimes in my box I'll get a a compliment about worship or a suggestion and uh, I don't know who it was but they asked if we would sing a kid's song this morning and I said alright, so we're going to sing every move I make. Stella's even offered to do some hand motions. So here we go, kids. Every move I make. Every move I make, I make in you. You make me move, Jesus. Every step I take, I breathe in you. Woo-hoo! Every breath I take, I breathe in you. You are my way, Jesus. Every step I take, I breathe in you. Wave some mercy. Waves of mercy, waves of grace, everywhere I look, I see. take I take in you, you are my way, Jesus, and breath I take, I breathe, sing it out, come on, with a smile, waves of mercy, waves of grace, everywhere I look, I see your face, your love has captured Can it be? Na Sing waves of mercy, waves of mercy, waves of grace. Everywhere I look, I see. Bye. for the kids and for us, because we had a lot of fun fun worshiping this morning, practicing it. Let's keep our hands together. No greater joy. No greater joy is there than this to know to know for what you're meant to live To hold your hand and to touch your face, to hold your hand, to touch your face, to find ourselves in love's embrace. I want to stand before the King. I want to stand before the King, join in the song that heaven sings. I wanna hold the hand that holds to her. I wanna know the mystery. Reach out and touch the majesty. I wanna hold the hand that holds to her. Come on, put your hands together. Worship the Lord this morning, for well, He is worthy to be praised. No greater love could be bestowed, no greater love could be bestowed that you were name of own. Your daughters sing, your sons rejoice. They gather here before the throne. Sing it out, church! I wanna stand. I wanna stand before the king. Join in the song that heaven sings. I wanna. I want to know the mystery. Reach out and touch the majesty. I want to hold the hand that holds the word. Sing, You are. You are. You are. The other of creation. We are. The children of. You are, you are, the light of all the heavens. We rise to worship all you are. Just your voices. I want to stand before the King, join in the song that. as we continue just to worship you. May we just call out and ask you to just take over this world. We know you are sovereign and a great God. God, we don't ask just for the nation of the USA, God, but for the whole world. God, we know that simple song of he's got the whole world in his hands. And now we ask as we sing and make music to the heavens, God, that we would just cry out to you asking you to just intercede be with all of our leaders, be with all of our men and women and the troops Lord and today as we just focus on the nations Lord that we be prayerful and mindful God of what you're doing in our lives in Jesus name we pray Amen On, let's get our hands together. We will sing, 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 and make music with the heavens. We will sing, sing, sing. Grateful that you hear us when we shout your praise time thy name. Of will sing, 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 and make music with the heavens. We will sing, 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 grateful that you hear us when we shout. To love about you, heaven and earth adore you, kings and kingdoms bow down, Son of God. You are the one, you are the one we're living for. You are the love that frees us. Come on, sing it out. You are. when we should Jesus! Wow, you guys are just going right along with the clapping. I love it. Listen, you said Psalm thirty-four eighteen talks about the Lord is close to those who are crushed in spirit, and with those who are the broken-hearted. There's many nations we should be praying for today and so as we just sing these songs let us be mindful of the religious freedoms that we have here the answered prayers that god has been showing us day in and day out The sing you said you said ask can you will receive whatever you need You said, "Pray and I'll hear from heaven, and I'll hear." Oh Lord, we pray for the nation. just close with this song today. Think of just what a glimpse of heaven's going to be like when we're singing together. Sing, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing it out. Sing a new on to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat holy, holy 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 is the Creation I sing Praise to the King of Kings You are my everything And I will adore you I will adore you If you feel that, just lift your hands to Jesus as we sing Clothed in rainbows of living color, flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder, blessing and honor, blessing and honor, strength and glory and power be to you. All creation, I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my Filled with wonder, filled with wonder, awestruck wonder, at the mansion of your name, Jesus your name is power, Jesus your name is power, breath and living water, such a marvelous mystery. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty Who was and is and is to come Yeah, yeah, yeah With all creation I sing Praise to the King of kings You are my everything Singing, you are holy. You are holy. You are holy. You are holy. holy. Coast Bible Church, just your voice as you are. your name to be praised, God. God, thank you for this time where we can just worship you, Lord. Where we can come together as a family here at Coast Bible and sing out and sing and worship you, God. I see it here in the church. I see it in youth group. God, we're starting to just worship you and, and sing the name of Jesus, Lord. And For that, my heart is just overjoyed, God. God, I pray that we would continue just to uh, worship you in spirit and truth as we hear from others today. And the pastor, God. Pastor Neal, as he shares about Something heavy on his heart and into the Old Testament about Israel, God, a, a nation that should not be forsaken, God. And God, I ask you, just watch over us, Lord. We thank you for bringing Leith back to us. God, what an answered prayer that is, Lord. And there's so many other prayer requests, God, that we continue to cry out to you, God. And again, we just give you the glory and the honor, and we just say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We give you this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and greet one another around you this morning?
1: For you
2: All right, let's head back to our seats. Finish saying hi, greeting one another, telling them that they look so skinny today. Admire that tie, comment on that dress. Let's head back to our seats. I'm not sure. Neil. This dude, this guy here. Alright, I'll talk a bit louder. Let's get back to our seats. I love that we love uh, each other so much, but uh, we don't want to be here till 1 today. So, Welcome to Coast. We're excited you're here. If you guys are new, we are especially excited that you're here today. We would love to talk with you more if you are new. On the inside of your bulletin, which you got when you walked in, there's a little form that you guys can just fill out and drop in the offering plate. And I believe we're still giving out cups of coffee for new people who just uh, signed that and dropped that in the offering plate. So we are excited you're here, and welcome to Coast. Well, today we are going to jump right into things. We have a lot of stuff to do, so we are going to go right into our family memory verse for today. So we have it up on the screen behind us. We're going to say it together, a wanna style, reference verse first, and then again at the end. So say it with me, Matthew 18.3, Jesus said, Unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 18.3. All right, let's see if we're going to make it harder for you guys. All right, you guys ready? Matthew 18.3. Jesus said, unless you are and come like little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. All right, Matthew 18.3. One more time. All right, Matthew eighteen three. Jesus said, "Unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven." Matthew eighteen three. All right, kids, remember that. That's next week. Now, is this week? It's this week, kids. If you would like to come up and get some candy, uh, you guys are just saying it for the glory of God. Look at you! I didn't want to give him candy, parents. Okay. All right, you guys ready? We're gonna say it together. So everyone's gonna gather around this mic right here. Come on up. Oh, oh, oh! You, you can just stand right over here. I want everyone to get in here. Okay? Are you guys ready? Yeah. All right. Let's say it really loud. Ready? Now. Matthew
1: 18:3. Jesus said,
2: "Unless you are converted."
1: My God, little, little children, 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 you will know that he is in the middle of heaven, heaven.
2: Matthew 18.3. Okay, all right, all right, all right, yeah, no candy for that one, no candy for that one. All right, we're going to do it one more time. We're going to do it one more time, okay? Ready? Matthew 18.3. Jesus,
1: Jesus said,
2: unless you are
1: converted... And now, little little children, children, you will will eat the kingdom kingdom of heaven.
2: All right, let's get around it. One each, one each, one each. That's how it's going to work today. All right, at this time, we are going to invite Monica up. She's going to say a few things.
3: All right. Well, I love having our little children come up here. But you know what? I don't know if you guys have ever noticed that there's a mass exodus halfway through the service each Sunday. Yeah, well, I want to tell you about those people who take care of those children that leave on the mass exodus. I want to read you a poem that's called To Our Sunday School Teachers. There's a time and a place that's special each week where we're eager to learn of the word that we seek. The lessons are studied and the scripture is read, but let us go back a few days instead. Your week is so busy, teachers, and filled with to-dos, like everyone else, not a minute to lose. Your family, your business, work never ending, your precious few, few moments you're ever still lending. But you make the time to prepare for Sunday when you know someone will listen to the words that you say. So with God's special guidance, with prayer and with time, you prepare for each Sunday the word so we can find. Thank you for giving us an hour each week, knowing it is the word of the Lord that we seek. And today we are blessed and grow more each day because you dedicate your love to the Lord in this way. We wouldn't have Sunday school if it weren't for you. So today we thank you for all that you do. And so today we just wanted to give a little bit of a special recognition um, to all of our junior church teachers here at Coast. Our Sunday school hour is actually during um, our main service time so that the kids can have an appropriate age um, lesson for themselves. And so I wanted to call these people up. Now I have to let you know, half of these people are not going to come up here. And it's not because they wouldn't like to just come up here. It's because they're in their teaching. So, it's very hard for us to take and find subs for them to come up here. So at the end of our thank, thanking them, you might hear a little plea from me. Would these people come on up if they are here today? We have in preschool Marilyn Diebold, Kim Eichler, and uh, Carla Kleist. Hear if they could come up. We also have James Bacon, who is in there right now with Kim teaching, I believe. Uh, for our kindergarten through second grade class, we have Scott and Susie Aubin, who are homesick right now, so I know they're not here. Ray Varela, if you'd come on up. EJ, if you would come on up. Deborah and Matt Bowne, if you'd come on up. For our third through fifth grade, if I could have Dan and Kristen Livingston, Liz and Lou Gutierrez, Dave Bacon, if you guys would come on up. And two that don't know they're going to be called, but this is something that we started uh, this year, if I could have Will. Fraker and Tom, come up. Tom Bennett, come on up. I know they're looking at me like, why are you calling me up here? I'll tell you why in a second. And then um, we also have, and I know she would never come up even if she is up here, but I want to recognize her. Every year I like to recognize who takes care of our babies and toddlers. That'd be Myella Vilches, and she will never come up here. And half of you may never even know her unless you have children. But if you ever meet her, she is the most wonderful person. She has such a soft heart. She loves her children. So if you have a child in the toddler nursery today, would you give her a hug? It will make her cry. But that's okay. Do it anyways. She needs to know how much we love and appreciate her. But we also have her son, Daniel, who helps her. Um, Her daughter sometimes helps her, Vivian. And I also have Lissa Rose Pink, who runs the nurseries. She gets all of you or tries to get you as volunteers. She's in the nursery right now, so she can't come up. And then I have two other people with Tori Grimm and Abby Gutierrez come up. These two have been faithful assistants uh, begging us since they were about nine years old to serve. And I know we have a couple more that are coming up in that ranks. So I'm looking at one of them right now. All right, I just wanted you to be able to see these people up here. I'm going to step down a bit so you can focus more on them. Every Sunday... They spend time with your children. They give it their time each week. There's a statistic that says the average Sunday school teacher prepares about an hour to two each week of just getting the lesson ready, going into the classroom to prep it, and then they spend an hour to two hours with your child. Now, our teachers trade off months, so they teach for one month, and then they have two months off so they can be a part of our church service and get the word in here. But that still means that they're taking over 50 hours a year just to prepare and teach your child. And they do it not because of the little gift that I'm going to give them today. They do it because they love serving the Lord. And I would just love to be standing right there before Jesus when he says, well done, they good and faithful servant. So we just wanted to take a moment to thank you guys. And um, can I have... All my leaders sit in the front. All my teachers just sit in these front pews right here because I want the kiddos to come up and sit on stage. If you guys can just sit in these pews up here, we're going to give you something. But I want all the children who are in the congregation today, can you come on up? Come sit on stage. Don't be shy. There's about 60 of you between birth and age 12. So come on up. It's okay if you're too shy. You don't have to. I have a lot of not shy ones that will take your spot. We're so blessed at uh, CVC. To have great teachers. We're also blessed to have an unusually large number of children for the size of our congregation. We have about 60 kids, like I said, from age birth through 12 years old. As a matter of fact, if any of our junior high kids want to come on up, uh, you guys have gone through this program, and we recognize two of your teachers today because they are now teaching, Tom and Will, are now teaching on Sunday mornings um, a youth group class. And so that's why we wanted to take time to recognize you today. But you notice how many of these guys run out each day. And if you notice many of them do like to run it's not just cuz they like to run they like to go to their junior church classes say so, hey guys i'm going to put you on the spot cuz it's always fun to do that with kids at church so who wants to share something about their sunday school teacher why do you like your junior church teacher do you want to share okay
1: they're always nice
3: they're always nice and they are i've been in there they always tell the truth Oh, I love it. They always
1: tell the truth.
3: That's good. Steph? We always have playtime in the gym. Oh, we have playtime in the gym. Anyone else want to share? What do you like? Okay, then what do you have? That good, huh? I love it. I don't know. That's okay. You don't have to know. Anyone else want to share something about your teachers? What, DJ? Um, uh, they're always special. They're always special, yeah. They take a lot of time out for you, don't they? Anyone else want to share something? All right. Well, teachers, today we wanted to call you our M&M teachers, our magnificent and marvelous uh, Sunday school teachers. And I want to read a little poem to you before we send you out. And it's our m M&M teachers from our kids. And it's a pack of m and And it says, to my magnificent and marvelous Coast Kids teachers. So this is from you guys. Ready? Green is for the inspiration you give me each day. Blue is for your patience and showing me God's way. Orange is for your warmth and caring style. Yellow is for the way you always make me smile. Red is for my life that you have touched this year. You placed God's words in my hands. And you leave a mark on my heart that lives forever. You're a magnificent and marvelous teacher. Thank you for being my M&M Coast Kids teacher. So, kids, what do we tell our teachers? Thank you. All right. Teachers, we are so grateful for you guys. Thank you for serving just out of your heart. We have a need for more teachers, though. We have how many, Deborah, in our class of K through second? Twenty-two? 22 kids in a Sunday school class. Um, Our goal at Coast is to have a class of 12. And so if you have a heart for children, we need about three more teachers to rotate throughout the year, one month off, uh, excuse me, one month on, two months off, to take care of maybe our kindergartners because we have a huge group. Hey, how many of you guys are kindergartners up here? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're a kindergartner. Raise it really high. Okay, we have five of them up here. We have 10 kindergartners on our class list which make a 22 a very big class. We want them to learn and grow in God's word. And the best way to do that is in a small group. So if you have any interest in serving, this is a great way to serve. We provide you with the curriculum. Um, We have teachers who are lead teachers that can help explain things to you. But these guys right here, they're what make um, the junior church special for us. So, kids, let's give them something special. I'm going to pray for them right now, and then I'm going to send you guys to class, all right? Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray for our teachers. Father, God, you tell us in your word that you want us to let the little children come to you. Father, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Lord, we are so thankful for these teachers, for the time that they give. Father, for how you prepare their hearts to serve, to shine for you. Father, we just pray that you'd bless them with the endurance, the energy, the wisdom, the discernment, Father, to rightly divide your word and to share it, Father, with the youngest of our church. Father, we thank you that the children at Coast Bible are a part of the congregation and not just some separate entity, Father. We thank you for the the presence that they have in this church body. And we know, Father, that a lot of that is due to the guidance that they have of not only their parents, Father, but also their junior church and Sunday school teachers. Father, just raise up this team, Father, to continue to serve you and to meet the needs that you've placed before us. Father, help us just to have a wonderful Um, year as we enter into this, this new school your father again father that your light would shine through these teachers and we thank you and praise you for them in jesus name amen teachers i have something special for you as you walk back to your seat and kids stay there just for a second because as your teacher leaves you'll leave all right that means you can follow me
2: Excited to go to class? Yes. Let's just thank Monica really quick for setting all of this up and <laughs> organizing all of this. It takes work. It takes work. Thank you, Monica. All right, kids, I believe you guys are dismissed to Junior Kids Church. And, Trek, you are also dismissed with Aaron and Jen and Carly. You guys are going to the barn as well now. All right, well, we're going to get to our announcements really quick today. Uh, But first off, if you guys haven't seen him yet, Leith is back. Leith, can we have you stand up for a minute? We just want to recognize you. Thank you for what you do. If you have not, if you have not said hi to this man, say please do that. Shake his hand, give him a hug. Uh, just, we're just so glad to have you back. Thank you for doing what you do. Teacher's Sunday. Today is Teacher's Sunday, and we are going to recognize the teachers like we did uh, for Junior kids, uh, kids Church. But I would like to recognize. All the educators, if you are an educator in the past or you're still an educator now, I would love for you to just stand up really quick so we can recognize you and just thank you for uh, teaching and doing that. There's only one in the back. There's no more. There's no more teachers. Come on. Don't be. Don't be bashful. All right. Thank you for doing that. Moving right along. Mops. MOPS is, uh, uh, next meeting is Tuesday, October 2nd, 7 p.m. Um, there's a, uh, $25 registration, uh, fee and that, uh, form is in the foyer out in the back. You guys can get that. And then also, uh, find out about MOPS next if you're a child just a bit older as well. And you can, uh, contact Amy at Coast Bible for more information about that. All right, Awana has started back up. It's officially in high gear, and we're excited about it. We have a huge Iwana program this year, and Amy is just doing a great job leading that up. Um, But we need more helpers. We have so, so many kids, and our need for uh, volunteers is great. So if you are not volunteering for Iwana and you have that heart, we would just so encourage you to do that. Um, You guys can do that Wednesday nights. It's at 6 o'clock today, or this week we're having a backwards night, which should be fun. I can only imagine what your kids will look like, uh, but you'll want to take pictures, I'm sure. But if you are not volunteering for that, please, please uh, do that. Think about that. Pray about that. And you can contact, again, Amy, for more information. Melting Pot. This is for uh, late 20s, early 30s, uh, right around there. It's a small group. We go through a Bible study. Right now, we're finishing up our Bible study on Heaven by Randy Alcorn. And this is, uh, our next meeting is going to be Friday, October 5, and it's going to be from 7 to 9. This will be at Dan and Kristen's house. If you guys don't have a place to be edified lifted up during the week i would encourage you guys to join this ministry and to just uh share with these people and fellowship so if you are uh, new even if you're new you don't have to have read the book already but just come and then be a part of this group you can contact neil for more information about that as well baby dedications is coming up baby dedication sunday october 25th let's say ah, oh, oh. And uh, if if your child has not yet been dedicated, I would totally encourage you to do this. This is just a great way to just dedicate the raising of your child in the Lord. And uh, if you have not done that and you would like to, you can contact the, the church office and they'll definitely help you out with that. Two more. Newcomers. If you guys are a newcomer to Coast, we're so excited that you're here. And if you've been coming, we just thank you so much for that. But we would like to get you just plugged in. So newcomers classes are coming up. We'll tell you a little bit about uh, what Coast is all about, where it was founded, just the history of Coast and our uh, doctrinal statement, and just uh, how we want to um, get you guys plugged into ministries and the different ministries that are available for you. So newcomers, there are two nights that you guys can come and do this. This is the the first one um, is October 25th, and this is at 6:30. This is at Neil's house, and then you, there's two more down there. You can see November 1st and then November 15th. Uh, RSVP at the church office. We would love to have you. There's always some fun uh, desserts or coffee or something. So definitely come out and find out what Coast is all about, and um, we'd encourage you to, to to join our family. Last one, water baptism, Sunday October 28th. We are doing a baptism. If you have not yet been baptized. We would just love to do that with you. We would love to be there for your profession of faith in the Lord before people. And this is a time for you to do that. If you have not been baptized, please contact the church office, and we would love to do that for you. So at this time, I am going to invite up John to pray for us.
4: It was a little taller than you. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me, please? Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all the grace and the mercy that you bestow on us day after day. Lord, we are grateful to live in a country that allows us to freely meet, openly worship you. Lord, we know that there are many places around the world that don't have those freedoms. Father, we thank you for the men and women who protect our freedoms, serving in the armed forces, serving in local law enforcement. Lord, we praise you for those men in our congregation who do so. Lord, we praise you for Leith and his safe return home. Thank you for bringing him back to us. Thank you for uh, the other men who serve in our uh, congregation as well. Lord, we, we pray for... Uh, Captain Tony Mitchell, Lord, that you would just protect him as he's away. Father, we think of uh, the other men, uh, Lieutenant Charlie Wilson, Cap- uh, Corporal James Swaffield, Corporal Adam Morris. Thank you for Brian Carson as well, who's uh, serving in the Air Force Reserve, many others who are part of this uh, congregation. Father, we thank you also for the opportunity that we have as a church body to support uh, many missionaries, those who are on the front lines of the gospel and sharing uh, the good news of Christ with others. We pray for Arch, our Rutherford Lord, as he prepares to uh, travel through Asia here in the next uh, few weeks. We ask that you would protect and bless him. Uh, We pray for the Greenwoods, Lord. Uh, we pray for Murray, especially as he's recovering from surgery, and we thank you for the Gibsons and their ministry in Haiti. We ask that you would continue to give them uh, wisdom and uh, clarity of thought in, in uh, the ministry there and uh, the home, housing needs, administration needs. We also thank you, Lord, for uh, Camp Allendale and just the great work that they do with uh, the herding and and abuse children. We ask that you would uh, uh, just provide for them, especially as they are looking to uh, to build a new facility, that you would provide the funding that is needed for that. Father, we, we ask you that uh, you would be with those in our church family who are hurting and sick, uh, who are hurting financially as well. We ask that you would bless them. We pray, uh, especially for uh, the Reddison's grandson, Kyle, Lord, that you would just continue to work in his little body, the doctors would have wisdom in in, uh, the health issues that he's dealing with. We pray for Dave Bacon's brother, Dan, just as the doctors continue to treat him for liver cancer. We ask that uh, you would just put your hand on him, give the doctors wisdom that uh, there would be uh, a good treatment for him. There are many others, Lord, who are sick. We we lift them up to you. We ask that... uh, you would just give them a peace knowing that you're in control. We continue to pray for the needs of not only our country but the world. Lord, uh, it just seems like there's so many uh, horrible things that are taking place around the world right now. And uh, I pray that as believers we would not lose focus. We would continue to set our eyes on you, Father, knowing that your son will soon return. We pray that we would not lose hope knowing that you're in control, Father. Bless this offering. Pray that you would use uh, the funds to to further your kingdom and to, uh, to bless this church. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: you yeah. Us in our hearts, Lord. In our hearts, Lord, in this nation, awaken me in our hearts, in our hearts, Lord, in this nation, awaken me, Holy Spirit.
5: Got a couple uh, of noteworthy folks in the audience today. I want to point them out. Al and Linda Bridges. Uh, Al is the head of B World Ministries. Al, Linda, raise your hand. Good to see you, folks, back there. Glad to have you in town. We're uh, big supporters of B World, Biblical Education by Extension, where we also support the ministries of uh, Jody Dillo and our own Pastor Arch Rutherford. So we're very glad to have you here. And then also, and Joyce, I'm going to put you on the spot. Could you go back to the announcements, Joyce, really quick, And could you pull up the slide uh, of Leith's picture? Because I want everybody to pay close attention to this picture here of Leith. Now, now Leith, what are you holding in your hands right there? Was that, was that the weapon of choice over there or not? That's an old picture. I mean, it, it, that looks like a sword, is it not? That is a sword. So, uh, did you wield a sword over there in Afghanistan? Okay, good, good. Leith, it's good to have you home, brother. So glad. So glad. I think he had a stethoscope, not a sword over there, uh, doing doing some medical work. But man, it's good to see you, brother. We are very happy to have you uh, back, but not nearly as happy as your wife. Uh, she is, I know, thrilled, and, uh, and your kids, so it's glad to have, just glad to have you back. And we know there are others uh, coming home soon, so Godspeed to all those who are serving uh, our country. Hey, I wanted to uh, bring up before we get to the message today, uh, something that some of you have been inquiring uh, of me about and asking my thoughts on it. It's uh, Pulpit Freedom Sunday. You may have heard about Pulpit Freedom Sunday. If you haven't, you will start hearing about it, I can assure you. We're going to pull up the slide in just a second. Uh, I I mixed her up there when I went back to announcements. But Pulpit Freedom uh, Sunday, folks, is uh, coming up next week, actually. Sunday, October the 7th, 2012. Now, it's actually been around for about uh, five years. There we go. That's a picture of the homepage of the website Speak Up movement and a variety of different websites that are supporting it. Um, Essentially, I I encourage you to look into this, Pulpit Freedom Sunday. You can Google it at home. Uh, Google is both a noun and a verb, for those of you who have been in past messages. Uh, Google Pulpit Freedom Sunday. You'll learn all about it. It's a fascinating um, day that's being set aside, usually around this time of year, first Sunday of October or last Sunday of September. It was created by the Alliance Defense Fund which is a Christian legal organization and their mission is to uh, always be focused on defending religious freedoms, especially those of uh, Christians in particular uh, but they defend uh, those of all faiths. And uh, what they're challenging pastors and churches to do on Pulpit Freedom Sunday is to speak boldly on the issues of the day. Um, Some sites that advocate this uh, Pulpit Freedom Sunday go further than others as far as what that means. Uh, In some cases, it's as mild and as simple as speaking boldly to the issues within our nation, what's happening in the world, and speaking um, about God's righteousness, about what the Bible has to say, about what's happening in our world, and how we should be aware as citizens, both in America and uh, as we react to the international community. Others, other sites encourage, you, encourage pastors to go much, much farther. They encourage pastors to speak out on uh, political matters, uh, to speak out on uh, sensitive matters of the day where God's Word has something to say about it. And one a couple of websites go even so far as to say that they'd like you to, uh, to name names and to uh, speak about candidates and to record the sermon and to send it to the IRS. I kid you not. Uh, in an effort to um, instigate a lawsuit that would repeal the Johnson Amendment, those of you who know what the Johnson Amendment is, Lyndon Johnson, in his tenure, uh, instituted a law, signed a law into practice that essentially um, prohibits 501c3 nonprofit organizations like us, churches in, in particular, from speaking out. Um, by name, um, for or against political candidates. And now, what, your, what your thoughts are on the Johnson Amendment, I'm, I'm not so worried about. Some people say it's unconstitutional. Some people see some reasons for it. Some people say it violates the First Amendment. Others say no. Uh, that's neither here nor there for me, because quite frankly, uh, maintaining tax-exempt status is not something I'm concerned about as a pastor. Um, some people are, some churches are. They think that tax-exempt status is just the most important thing of all and that a church should do everything they can to hold on to tax-exempt status. I think I am concerned and you are concerned with this book and uh, with, within our community of speaking words uh, to, uh, to us as citizens of the United States that would be befitting of Scripture. That is not to say we get up here and name names and speak about candidates in particular for or against their positions. Personally, I don't find that to be particularly necessary. Um, some pastors will do that next week. They'll name names. They'll speak for or against their, their platforms. I won't. Um, but what I, want, what I w- would like to do next week, and I've already kind of outlined uh, some of the things that we'll be speaking on, is I would like to address what's going on in America and some of the things that we need to be aware of as uh, Americans and what the Scriptures would have to say about it. And so next week, uh, we are not officially signing up for this. Uh, We've not officially signed our name on the dotted lines for Pulpit Freedom Sunday, but what we are going to do, in the spirit of what many churches will do, is speak to American Christians about what the Bible has to say about the important issues of our day. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Amen? So, um, we're not going to name names. We're not going to speak about candidates. But we are going to speak about positions and about what those positions mean in according to God's Word. And I do encourage you, as a part of this Pulpit Freedom effort, I do encourage you to be a good citizen, to consider uh, your vote this fall, both nationally, state, local races, propositions. I think it's important and incumbent upon us inasmuch as we're citizens of a much better place, we're also to be good and respectable citizens here in the country that we live in. And so I encourage each of you to pay very close attention to what's happening in the world and uh, particularly what's happening in this United States. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just ask, God, that, uh, that You would help the church, the whole church... Preach about the righteousness of God. They're setting aside a day, Lord, next Sunday that you know of that's been going on for some years now. One day in which the issues of the day will be addressed. Lord, may it not just be one day in which we go to your word to consider how we might respond to current events. May that be every day, Lord. But we will set aside, God, this next week. And we pray that You would bless it and sanctify it. I I ask, Lord, that that the church of Jesus Christ would not use that Sunday to provoke the government. Father, that would be foolish. But it would be good if Your church, Lord, could make Christians more aware, could make the world more aware of what is the righteousness of God when it comes to matters of life when it comes to matters of money, when it comes to matters of morality. Help us, God, as a nation, to think wisely, to choose wisely, to be engaged citizens that, uh, that consider Your Word before a vote. And now, Lord, as we turn uh, to other portions of Your Word, as we turn to the nations and uh, what You have to say about what's happening in and around our world today, particularly around the nation of Israel, I pray Holy Spirit that you would enlighten our eyes, open them wide, help us to see clearly your truth. God, uh, there's a lot going on. We pray now that your word would give us some shed some wisdom on how we're to respond to the events of this day. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. If you have a Bible, turn again to Psalm 83. We'll be there just briefly this morning. Psalm chapter 83. Psalm 83. The title of uh, this series of messages that we're in is entitled, The Word and the Newspaper. The Word and the Newspaper. It's, it's based on uh, a quote by Karl Barth, late 20th century theologian, who when he was given instructions to young theologians, they asked him, uh, Dr. Barth, what, what, what one piece of advice would you have for young preachers, young theologians? And he said, Men, he said... Uh, He said, take your Bible and take your newspaper, but make sure you interpret your newspaper by reading your Bible. He said, take your Bible and take your newspaper, but interpret that newspaper through the lens of Scripture. And as we consider what's going on in this world, uh, we looked last week. These are some important days. And in fact, um, rarely do I I ask you to go back and listen to something if you missed it, but I would ask. If you missed last week... Go on our website, please listen to this message uh, that we spoke of in Psalm 83 uh, about Israel, the nation of Israel. Um, It's a a pertinent message for this day and age, and I would encourage you, some of you who missed last week, go back and take a look at it. We're in part two today of uh, this series, The Word in the Newspaper, part two, The Future of Israel's Neighbors, The Future of Israel's Neighbors. As I said, there's many things going on in the world right now. Uh, We have the Arab Spring, which some say is now entering into what might, who knows, might be termed the Arab Fall this fall. Um, There are nations rising up against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. We have uh, economic collapse that appears imminent in many nations in Europe. And uh, perhaps we're having some woes here in the United States, it seems. Uh, We have nations who are calling for the destruction of Israel. President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad of Iran calling for the destruction, the elimination of the state of Israel, and has been doing so for a number of years now, at least going back to 2006. This is a time, if ever there was a time, to be very aware of what's happening. We have conflict going on all around. Not just between nations, but economic conflict. Matters of famine and poverty. There is so much happening that we need to open our eyes. And one of the unlikely places of Scripture uh, that we might turn to to get a g- grasp of what's happening in and around our world was Psalm 83. We turned there last week. Let's take a look at Psalm 83 one more time briefly. Beginning in verse 1. Again, an unlikely portion of Scripture you would think to explain what's happening in and around our world. But take a look at what it says. A psalm of Asaph is a music leader of David. He writes, Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. Do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult. And those who hate you have lifted up their head in pride. Verse 3, They have taken crafty counsel against your people. They've consulted together against your sheltered ones. They've said, Come, let us cut them off, that is Israel, from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. The tents of Edom, the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebal, Ammon, the Amalek, Philistia, And the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria, has also joined them. They've helped the children of Lot. Selah, pause, meditate on this, the musician says. Um, I had many of you asking last week for a map of what I was uh, talking about. So here it is. A map of uh, Psalm 83. Now this is not... I I actually would uh, reposition a couple of these, but in large part I would agree with the scholar who put this map together. Uh, You have up here a map of Psalm 83. A map of the various nations that you see in your Bible text uh, in front of you. Hopefully you've got your Bibles open. In Psalm 83, in verse 5, 6, 7, and 8 are listed a number of different nations that we went through last week. Each of these nations uh, are are no longer properly termed in existence, which is to say their their national titles that you see in Psalm 83 are no longer, in essence, the national titles that they bear here in 2012. It's it's been a long time since the days of Asaph, namely 3,000 years. But while the national titles have changed. We mentioned last week that the territories of conflict remain the same. I'll say that again. While the national titles have changed, the territories of conflict have remained the same. Such that when we look at nations like uh, Philistia, who lives there today on the West uh, uh, on the Gaza Strip near Israel? The Palestinian people do. Uh, who lives in Amalek in the Sinai Peninsula? The Egyptians do. Who lives in Edom and Moab and Ammon? That happens to be almost the exact outline of the modern-day country of Jordan. Who lives uh, up in? Uh, uh, Well, it shouldn't say Lebanon there, but it does. Who lives up in Tyre? Lebanon. Who lives in Assyria? Syria. And parts of western Iraq. You see, all of the names that are listed there, if you can see it clearly, all of the names listed in Psalm 83, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, the the national titles have changed, the territories of conflict have remained the same, and they've remained the same for thousands of years. Little spot of land Israel is. Not very big, not very tall, and surely not very wide. And yet, century after century, millennium after millennium, everyone still wants this land. Why? It would seem that the Word of God attests over and over again. And, And if there's ever an apologetic for the defense of the Christian faith, if there's ever a good reason to pay heed to the Scriptures, it is the existence of the nation of Israel. It is the perpetual existence of the conflict in that region. Israel, the only nation in the history of the world, to be totally dispersed in A.D. 70. Seventy years after the time of Christ, totally dispersed all throughout the four corners of the earth. The only nation to be dispersed in 70 A.D. and then to be reconstituted again in 1948 after World War II. Find us one other nation that you can say that about. You can't. There's something going on here, friends. There's something going on in these territories of conflict. The national titles have changed, but the conflicts remain the same. So we look now at a modern day map of Israel. So we see there the territories of conflict, and we see the nations that are around those territories. In the Sinai Peninsula there to the bottom left, we have Egypt. We have the Palestinian people who are largely located in the Gaza Strip and, of course, also the West Bank. Jordan, the ancient peoples of Edom, Ammon, Moab. Syria, the ancient people of Assyria. And Lebanon, where uh, those of, of Tyre were from. Gebal and Tyre from the nation of Lebanon. Lebanon. It can be said that every single one of these nations have gone to war against Israel since 1948. Every single one of them. Every single one of them have lost in those wars. And so today, we're, we're, we're backing up just a bit and asking the question, what is the future of these neighbors? What is the future of these uh, nations that are around Israel? What's going to happen to the nations of the world in the future. What, what, what might we expect from them? You know, we, we, we sit here and we watch all these current events taking place and uh, the Christian might be asking himself or herself, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen in Egypt? What's going to happen in, in Syria? Civil wars taking place. In, in Egypt, the, the, there's uprising like never before it seems. A new president's in place from the Muslim Brotherhood. What's that going to look like? Jordan appears relatively stable, and yet there's, there's strife occurring there. Lebanon is a haven for a great many terrorist organizations. What will happen there? Those of you who know Scripture uh, well know also that the next event to take place, uh, the next event in God's prophetic timeline, what might occur, Next, as we look at these things, we, we've, let me show you what we've already seen. We've already seen World Wars One and Two. Okay, we might be able, might be able, to compare what occurred in World Wars One and Two with Jesus' talk in the Olivet Discourse when He spoke of kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation. These wars were unlike any other wars, and it seems that they were the birth pangs of the last days. After World War One and World War II, what happens? Israel, re-established, the first nation in the history of the world. Do you know the scriptures spoke of this? So we have another, yet another element in God's prophetic timeline that is taking place, time after time after time. We have the protection of Israel, promised in God's word, over and over again, at least six major conflicts since 1948, wars that you would have never guessed. That no, no, no common person would have looked upon and said, Yeah, I think Israel's going to pull that one out. The Six Day War, Israel's dramatic victory. Yom Kippur, uh, the surprise attack by many Arab nations, 1973. Many people were saying, Israel's done. And they turned it around and prevailed against some five nations that came against her. And so what's going to happen next in God's prophetic timeline? As we look at Scripture, as we open up God's Word, those of you who have read it carefully and are students of prophecy would know that one of the next things that we can expect, there's one of two things that we can expect. Number one, the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church. 1 Thessalonians 4 says that we will be caught up with the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Some might think that's crazy. I say, I'm looking at a pattern here of fulfilled prophecy over and over again. And yet many, many Scriptures also speak of God sparing the church, sparing His sons and daughters from the wrath that is to come. Read 1 Corinthians 15. Read 1 Thessalonians 4. Read early parts of Revelation in which it is told to the church in Revelation 3 that they'll be spared the hour of trial. So we know that the rapture is coming. And it could happen at any minute. It could happen at any moment. We speak of the imminency of the rapture. But a second thing that's about to occur, a second element that's going to occur in God's prophetic timeline, is what happens in the book of Ezekiel. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 38. Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. We'll begin in 38. Here in Ezekiel 38, we have what most Bible scholars would agree is the next event. It might be the rapture, or it may be this, as we look upon what's happening in our world. And so I wanted us to turn to Ezekiel 38 and 39, reading them briefly in a cursory manner to get an overview of what's going on here. And then I'm going to also send you home with some homework. So get ready. Get your prophecy goggles on. Ezekiel 38 is one of the things, world events, that is next up in God's prophetic timeline. Let's take a look at 38, beginning in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel, he's a prophet, in Babylon receiving a revelation. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, Set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, your horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company, with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all its troops, the house of tagarma from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. All right. Some of us can check out here. Some of us look at a text like this and we think, I, I have no idea what he's talking about. Gog, Magog, Meshach, Tubal, Gomer, togarma I don't know any of these names. Do you know those names? Some of you do. Some of you look at it and say, this is, this is all Greek to me, Hebrew to me. It can be intimidating. And believe me, it's intimidating to me as I teach it. Uh, It is intimidating to read all these names and to say, what's going on in this passage? But Bible scholars have demonstrated through analysis of Ezekiel 38 and 39 that this is perhaps one of the next events to take place, even, even, perhaps prior to the rapture, even, surely, prior to the tribulation period. It precedes what is to come. And the question is, what do these these names symbolize? Remember back in Psalm 83. We just looked at Psalm 83. We talked about Edom and Moab and Amalek and the Hagrites and on and on and on. And what did we say about those people groups? About those nations? We said, hey, the national titles and the names of those peoples were the names when Asaph wrote it in 1000 B.C. But 3,000 years later... In 2012, all of those nations and all of those people groups have changed. We've said that. The names have changed, but what? The territories of conflict remain the same. And so, as we look at Ezekiel 38, beginning in verses 1 to verse 6, we come across a number of different names. And we might ask ourselves do these names correspond? to any particular territories around Israel? The answer is yes. Take a look at this map. Forgive the black and white here. Um, Very hard to actually find this map, as a matter of fact. Uh, But here we have um, one scholar's take on the territories of conflict in accordance with Ezekiel 38 and 39. Right in the middle, you can see it barely in blue, I highlight it with an arrow, you have... The nation of Israel. Look how large it is. Of course, anybody would want to conquer that, right? Israel. Right in the middle of it all. And what do we have? We have a number of different names that are mentioned in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Let's take a look at it again. Verse 1 in your Bibles. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog. Gog's not up there. Who is Gog? Gog of the land of Magog the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal and prophesy against him. Very simply put, Gog is a person. Gog is a head. He's a president. He's a chief. He's a general. He's a prince. He's a person. And this Gog is has territorial control over the land of Magog in verse 2. Over Rosh, over Meshach, over Tubal. Magog at the top. Meshach to the right. Tubal below Magog. We have here, and and Rosh would be actually the entire territory, we have here an indication of where these tribes originated from. And Ezekiel would have known that in his day. In about 600 or so B.C. 575 B.C. Ezekiel would have been well aware of these territories and the tribes that come from them. What's significant about those territories today? What's significant about them is that Nagog really represents uh, Russia. It's between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. Tubal, just below Russia, all the the, the stands. Meshech, you've got uh, Turkmenistan. Kazakhstan, just above it. You have what, what we would know of as Russia. Uh, which would, if it were the former Soviet Union, would cover all of it. But because it's been broken up, it includes many of the nations that end in Stan, S-T-A-N. But Magog, Meshek, Tubal, Rosh, all of these are territories of Russia. And we're well known in Ezekiel's day to be territories of Russia. Let's go on. And what does he say about this territory? He says, thus says the Lord God, verse 3, Behold, I'm against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I'll turn you around, I'll put hooks in your jaw, and I'll lead you out with all your army, horses, horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. And now he mentions a few other nations. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya, are with them, all of them, with shield and helmet. Persia, just below Meshech, Persia. Anybody know what country that is? Iran. Territory of conflict. Names changed. Same territory of conflict. Persia's with you. He says uh, the next nation that's uh, besides Persia, he mentions Ethiopia. Look down at Kush, Ethiopia and Somalia, the ancient people of Kush. And then he goes on to mention Libya. The ancient people of Put. In fact, it goes from, from the northern point of Africa, the, na- the, the tribe of Put, and extends westward oh, sorry wrong way extends westward over Algeria, Tunisia and other parts of Northwest Africa. That's where the tribe of Put was from. National titles have changed. Territories of conflict remain the same. Is it any wonder? Is, is it any wonder to you? Uh, why there's chaos in Libya, Algeria, Tunisia today? Is it any wonder to you why the land of Cush, Ethiopia and Somalia, have been become embittered with unbelievable civil war down through the centuries? Famine. Drought. Today, the nation on everyone's mind, Iran, mentioned here as Persia, is this all coincidence? Maybe. Maybe, says the one who doesn't want to pay heed to Scripture. Yeah, this is all coincidence. You're just, you know, it's uh, just kind of flip the coin Ezekiel did and put a bunch of names down. And they just happen to be the same nations which are erupting right now. And then verse 6, Gomer and all its troops, the house of Tagarma from the far north and all its troops, many peoples are with you. Tagarma being modern day Turkey, Gomer being in particular uh, Eastern Europe, but, but in some ancient, this is in some ancient Jewish uh, Mishnahs on the scripture, ancient Jewish commentary on the scripture, they identified Gomer with Germania or Germany. This was before World War II that they identified Gomer with Germania. Fascinating. And so here we have. Ezekiel 38 speaking about some of the nations Israel's neighbors which according to Ezekiel 38:1 through 6 are going to have a hook put in their jaw and they're going to be brought up against Israel as we will continue to read in forthcoming weeks but there's something that just totally stopped me in my tracks as I study this matter. Um, and as I said, today, today it's, so hard to, it's so hard to dig in so deep early. Right? We need to get our, our, the game pieces on the board before we can begin to really play the game of understanding what's happening in Bible prophecy. We're putting the game pieces on the board, so to speak. We're, we're mapping out what's happening. We're giving a cursory look. But something really stopped me in my tracks this week. Um, as I studied uh, the nations, what God has to say about them and their future. And what struck me more than anything is this statement by uh, Arnold Fruchtenbaum, a Jewish Messianic scholar. He says, one interesting observation is that not a single Arab nation participates in Ezekiel 38 and 39 invasion. That floored me. That absolutely floored me. In other words, one of the next great moments that Bible scholars believe is going to happen in the future, Ezekiel 38 and 39, that great moment in Bible prophecy, not one Arab nation participates in it, in that invasion. You say, well, what about Iran? Yes, Iran is Muslim, not Arab. What about Libya, uh, Ethiopia? Predominantly Islam, but not Arab. What about Turkey? Yes, Islam, but not Arab. Could you go back to slide four the ancient political map of Psalm 83? All these territories in Psalm 83, all these people groups, nowhere to be found in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Nowhere. In our day and age, 2012, every single one of those groups are looking at Israel. Every single one of those groups are are spewing words of war, uh, of conflict. We've got terrorist groups in Gaza and in Lebanon, we have conflict in Syria. We have, in Egypt, there's, they're firing rockets across the border at Israeli schools. And yet, the scriptures, when we speak, when when Bible scholars generally agree that the next prophetic event is Ezekiel 38 and 39, it's fascinating that none of these nations are mentioned. Next slide after this one, then. So none of these nations, right here, not Egypt, not Jordan not the Palestinian people, not the Syrians, not the Lebanese. None of those nations are involved in the invasion of Ezekiel 38 and 39. Back to the quote. One interesting observation is that not a single Arab nation participates in the Ezekiel 38 and 39 invasion. So the question is, why? 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 Why would that be? Why would it be that not one of them are involved? When you and I know each of those nations today, and historically, those territories of conflict, have always, always been in conflict with the Jewish people. We may have a hint of this answer in Ezekiel 39. Turn to Ezekiel 39. We're going to end here and go on to some homework. Ezekiel 39, beginning in verse 11. Before we read Ezekiel 39, 11, we're now reading the end of the invasion. Okay? We're, I'm skipping over a whole slew of the battle. I'm skipping over all of it. We'll come back to it. But I'm skipping to the end to show you what happens when Israel wins and what they do with the slain. Ezekiel 39, beginning in verse 11. And it will come to pass in that day that I will give Gog a burial place there in Israel, the valley of those who pass by east of the sea, and it will obstruct travelers, because there they will bury Gog and all his multitude. Therefore they will call it the valley of Ham and Gog for seven months. The house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. Indeed, all the people of the land will be burying and they will gain renown for it on the day that I am glorified, says the Lord God. They will set apart men regularly employed with the help of a search party to pass through the land and bury those bodies remaining on the ground in order to cleanse it. At the end of the seven months, they'll make a search. The search party will pass through the land and when anyone sees a man's bones... They shall set up a marker by it, till the barriers have buried it in the valley of Haman-Gog. The name of the city will also be Hamona, and there they shall, and thus they shall cleanse the land. You might be wondering, what's, what's going on in this invasion? I mean, what happened here such that, that, that mentions in, on the third line down there that it obstructs Travelers? Whatever happens in this part of the world, it obstructs travelers from passing through. That unique men are, are, are employed to go out and, and to bury and to cleanse the land and to, to tend to what has become of the battlefield. We can only speculate. You know, who knows what that might be? Uh, many, many would speculate that this is um, some sort of a uh, nuclear attack of some kind, such that it obstructs travelers. People can no longer pass through this region of the world. And it's interesting because other parts of Scripture indicate that south Edom, our southern Jordan, will one day be in uninhabitable. We could point to a number of Scriptures which speak to that. But whatever has happened, we know that Israel goes out after victory and she starts to tend to those who have died. She starts to bury them. She starts to uh, cleanse the land. Do what's proper um, to, to, to cleanse the land, and in many cases, particularly with respect to a lot of Middle Eastern customs, to honor those who have fallen by burying them. But what struck me more than anything at the end of, at, in Ezekiel 39, as we look at this burial, is beginning in verse 11. It will come to pass in that day that I will give Gog a burial place there in Israel. The valley of those who pass by east of the sea, and it will obstruct travelers. Which sea is that? Well, if it's the Mediterranean Sea, it would be a pretty odd description, uh, because east of the sea is everything. Everything in that territory is east of the Mediterranean. It's not the Sea of Galilee up to the north where Jesus spent much of His day because in the Old Testament times, uh, that area was rarely mentioned and it was known by a, a different name. What is this sea? It is very likely the Dead Sea. Anybody been to the Dead Sea? A few of you have. Have you, have you floated in the Dead Sea, Jack? Yes. Jack, you floated in the Dead Sea. Even, me. Even you. I floated in the Dead Sea. Now, Jack, as you were floating in the Dead Sea and you looked out into the land of Jordan to the east, what did you see out there? Yeah. Was anything inhabited out there? No. I mean, you want to talk about a barren wasteland. Go to the Dead Sea and look east. You've never seen anything like it. It makes Mojave look like a resort town. East of the Dead Sea is just this barren wasteland. But you know what else? Joyce, I'm going I'm to move you around one more time. I'm sorry. Slide 5. The, the modern day uh, nation of Israel. But you know what else is east of the Dead Sea? It ain't Israel. It's not Israel. It's Jordan. Israel doesn't own it. And yet Ezekiel 39, as it describes the next event in Bible prophecy, the next event to come, what's coming next, according to most Bible scholars who open up the Word and say, what's coming next? Maybe it's the rapture. Maybe it's the invasion of Ezekiel 38 and 39. Could be either one. But one thing is clear. When Israel goes out and finishes the battle, when Israel goes out to bury the dead, Ezekiel 39, verse 11 says that they'll come to pass in that day that I'll give Gog a burial there in Israel. The valley of those who pass by east of the sea. What does this mean? I'm giving you a primer here. I'm suggesting uh, if you look at what's happened to the nation of Israel historically, um, after the Elias, I'm going to call on you real quick. Elias, after the Six-Day War, how rapidly did Israel expand her territory? How, how, how much more of Israel was there after the Six-Day War? A lot of Egypt? Well, right, and, but after the war, how much more land had they amassed in that war? One-third more? Okay. I I think it was probably a little more, but you might be right on there. They got all of the Sinai Peninsula. They got all the Golan Heights. They got all the West Bank. Israel rapidly expanded her territory at the end of the Six-Day War. What Ezekiel 38 and 39 are suggesting, if we're reading it correctly, is that something's going to happen prior to even Ezekiel 38 and 39 where we might expect as we're reading God's Word, trying to find answers about it, where Israel's borders start expanding. This is something that um, I've been doing a lot of reading on, meditating on a lot of Scriptures. And I want you to meditate on this with me a little bit. I want you to, uh, to put on some difficult glasses and read prophecy over the next two weeks. And over the next two weeks, I've got some homework for you. John and the ushers, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and pass out This homework. So what we've got here, as you get ready to receive this sheet, is I have a list of Scriptures that I'd like you to read. And in these Scriptures, we've got anywhere from... uh, I'll go ahead and pull up the last slide there. Anywhere from Numbers chapter 24 all the way down to Zechariah 9. Now, some of these Scriptures, you'll be going, boy, what's going on in these passages? I don't even know what's happening. In other parts, you'll be like, okay, yeah, I understand that. I get that. It's not going to be easy reading. But there's only two questions I want you to answer. And I want you to commit... Two weeks. If you read a chapter and a half a day, you'll make it. Can you do it? Alright, a chapter and a half a day. I only want you to answer two questions. Number one, what blessings or consequences will occur to Israel and when will they occur? When will they occur according to these prophecies? And number two, what will happen to individual Gentile nations and peoples and when will they occur? When will they occur? This is suggested. Pay particularly, particular attention to issues of land and territory and issues of spiritual hardening and awakening or renewal. So, let me break it down for you. What I'm asking you to do is to read these portions of Scripture. Take a little journal. Take a little sheet off to the side as you read it. And write down, Israel... And then write down the nations or the peoples that you see. You don't need to know where they're from. We'll hash that out. Israel and the nations and the peoples that you read about and find out what's going to happen to them and if you can identify when. What's going to happen to them and when? I'll I'll leave you with this uh, kind of a teaser. Um, One of the most fascinating things about the Bible is that when Abraham was told, I'll make you a father of many, many, many nations. And when God told Abraham, when He laid out the boundaries of Israel, when He laid out from the Nile to the Euphrates, the boundaries of Israel, when when God told Abraham how much land Israel, the Jewish people, would have, Do you know that to this day that's still never come to be? The Jews are still waiting. The Jewish people are still waiting for God to bring the full fulfillment of their territory, of their land. A lot of Bible scholars say, well, that's just never going to happen until the very, very end. Until the Millennial Kingdom when Jesus is ruling and reigning. But it's interesting... In Ezekiel 39, what we just read is that they bury their dead in Israel. Which would mean their boundaries have been increasing. We've already seen it happen in the Six-Day War. We've seen it happen in other wars. Israel rapidly accelerating their boundaries. And then it contracts. Then they rapidly accelerate it again. And then it contracts. But my question to you is this. Why is it? Why would it be? In Ezekiel 38... 39, this next great invasion, why is it that not one Arab nation is listed? Where's Egypt? Where's Lebanon? Where's Syria? Where's Jordan? Where's uh, ancient Philistia, uh, Philistia, the Palestinian territories? Where are they? Surely these nations would rise up, wouldn't they? And yet, nowhere are they listed in what is supposedly the next great prophetic event. Meditate on that. Think about it. This is tough stuff, but it's good. And in two weeks, we'll reconvene. Don't worry, we're not going to spend months in this. For those of you that want a God is love message, I'll get to those too. And He is. But you know what else? It's good to know God's Word. It's good to be aware of what's happening in our world. It's good to be expectant and alert. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, help us now to, uh, to be discerning, to be careful with Your Word, to not jump to crazy conclusions. Lord, we're definitely not going to be setting dates here. But we do know this, that Jesus is coming back. We also know that the church is going to be raptured And we know, God, based on Your Word, that Your people Israel, a unique people down through the centuries, is going to be protected despite these territories of conflict. These perpetual territories around her who have always been at odds with her. That God, You're going to bring about her protection, her deliverance. And that even when she is delivered, you mentioned in Isaiah 19, there will be a highway of blessing from Egypt all the way to Assyria. So that these territories will no longer be in conflict, but they'll be in harmony under You. Lord, we look forward to that day. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
0: For our closing song, we want to sing for us, Lord Jesus, Ruler of the nations. We're going to sing verse 1 and 4. It's Hymn eighty-seven. Would you stand and join us as we sing? Fair is Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature. Son of God and Son.
5: Today, and uh, again, let us remember that it's important to be aware of what's happening in our world. Uh, we're not going to make crazy speculation, we're going to keep going to God's Word, asking the tough questions, finding out if, in fact, He has something to say about the things that are about to transpire before us in the future. Um, so, we will see. Hopefully, you will see too, as we study together, as we check each other be Bereans. And as you, as I study and meditate on these same passages, these are exact same passages that you will be going over in these next two weeks. I encourage you to do so. Make it uh, an effort. Uh, make, it an extra, make an extra effort uh, to really bear down and try to understand what's going to be happening in God's future. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, we thank You that no matter what happens, You're in control. You are on the throne. Your Son has gone to the cross and He has rose again from the grave so that if we turn to Him in faith, we have everlasting life and a secure future in the Kingdom of God. And Lord, that's the only Kingdom we ultimately care about. We care about Your Kingdom. We care about being with You. And so Lord, we'll try as we might, we'll try to understand what You're doing in this day and age around us and particularly with Your people Israel. But above all, Lord, lift our eyes even higher to the kingdom that we will be in one day when Jesus Christ returns. Thank You, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.